0: This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. Over a thousand people have sued the state, alleging abuse of the state-run youth detention center over decades. The state has set aside money to settle lawsuits with victims, but with caps as to how much a victim can receive. But this week, lawmakers united with victims' lawyers to back potential changes to the settlement process. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Anne-Marie Timmons from the New Hampshire Bulletin. Good morning, Anne-Marie. Good morning, Rick. Great to have you here. Emory. I'm wondering if we can go back and discuss the heart of the issue with the state's youth detention center. There are many people who are suing the state over their treatment at YDC. What are they alleging?
1: I describe it really as every kind of physical and sexual violence imaginable. Um, gang rape, being choked until unconscious, burnt with cigarettes, broken bones, locked in seclusion it it just it really every kind of abuse and this went on for decades you know from 1960 to 2019. you know so far the state has charged nearly a dozen former YDC staff members. but like you said, the victims are in the thousands.
0: And some of those victims have decided to settle with the state and Marie rather than go to court. Uh, this new Senate bill would change how the state handles those settlements. What are those changes?
1: There really are three. Um, the state has expanded the types of abuse. it It would it would expand the type of abuse that would consider for settlement. I would say that's perhaps the biggest change and one victims' advocates have really asked for from the beginning. This includes a new category for other abuse, such as unlawful restraint, seclusion. And there's also an enhanced sexual abuse category that increases payments for especially Wanton or cruel uh, violence. Um, the cap on payments would also be increased, something else victim advocates have wanted. You know some sexual assaults that were limited at one point five million would go to two point five million. And some of the physical and other abuse caps would increase as well from one hundred and fifty thousand. To two hundred fifty thousand, and the third change is the December deadline to file a claim would be extended for six months.
0: Now, what would this mean for victims of the YDC who decided to file lawsuits against the state instead, instead of going through the settlement?
1: I, I think perhaps most of all, it acknowledges and includes victims who suffered tremendous abuse, um, but were excluded or are excluded under the current rules. You know, victim advocates and victims have waited long time to have their views acknowledged and validated. And so I I think that is the biggest, really the biggest change.
0: Anne-Marie, why why do you think lawmakers are hoping, or what are the the lawmakers really hoping to accomplish here? Why do you think the state is changing its approach to to these settlements now?
1: I think there's a couple reasons here. You know, the state has been settling claims for about a year now. And Attorney General John Formella said this week, His office has a much better understanding now than it did at the beginning of what kind of abuse victims experienced while at YDC, and has recognized that it needed to really expand its definition of abuse. Um, And the second is sort of practical. The state is spending millions of dollars defending itself against nearly 1,100 lawsuits, perhaps more to come, and we're at the beginning. You know settlement would be faster it would take a huge burden off the courts and frankly it would allow the state to better control its financial liabilities there's no way to know what a jury might do when it hears that children were so violently abused for decades at YDC. And so I think those are really the primarily the two reasons.
0: You're trying to reduce the the um, amount of lawsuits, I, I suppose, but also try to reduce the time because, well, of course, time is money when it comes to defending oneself.
1: Right, right. And there's, there's, there is a recognition that, you know, they want to have a more you know, a less contra- confrontational approach with victims. That would sort of be the core process. And they do talk about wanting this to be a much kinder, more supportive process. And and they want more victims to go through that as well, rather than through court.
0: And of course, acknowledge what's happened here going forward with more oversight from the state, I imagine, in, in, in the future.
1: Right, right.
0: So we'll be following your reporting here, Anne-Marie. What other stories have you been following right now? What's on your beat? Anything that you'd like to preview or, or highlight for listeners?
1: Sure. Um, I have a story coming next week about a new veterans treatment court the state wants to start. It would be similar to drug or mental health court where veterans who um, offenses are connected to their trauma suffered during military service and allow them to go through a treatment process that's much more supportive rather than through the— Traditional court process.
0: Okay. Emory Timmons is a reporter for the New Hampshire Bulletin. Watch for her reporting. Thank you, Emory.
1: Thank you, Rick.
0: It's morning edition here on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news. If you've got some questions about what's going on in the state, we'd love to hear from you. And you can help us with our reporting, help re- inform our reporting by emailing us at, voices at nhpr.org. The New Hampshire Department of Justice announced earlier this month that a former prison guard was charged with second-degree murder. He's accused of causing the death of a patient at the state prison system's Secure Psychiatric Unit last year. Let's bring in NHPR's Paul Kuno Booth now, who has been following this story. Hi, Paul. Hi, Rick. Thanks for coming in this morning, Paul. You reported on this incident in 2023 involving a corrections officer and a patient at the Secure Psychiatric Unit. Can you remind us of what happened there?
2: Sure. Uh, So, Jason Roth was a person with a severe mental illness being held at the Department of Corrections Secure Psychiatric Unit. Prosecutors say last April, a group of corrections officers tried to forcibly remove him from a room. Uh, A struggle ensued. Officers tased him multiple times. They eventually pinned him on the floor, handcuffed him behind his back. Uh, and then prosecutors say that one of those officers, Matthew Millar, continued to restrain Roth uh, face down on the ground in the prone position with his knee pressed into Roth's back. This type of restraint is something that uh, corrections officers in New Hampshire are trained never to do. Uh, experts say that, you know, when someone's restrained face down, that can restrict their breathing. And uh, w- when weight is pressed down on their back, that can, you know, increase the danger further. Um, causing them potentially to asphyxiate because they can't get enough oxygen. Uh, And and that's exactly what the medical examiner says happens here, that uh, Roth asphyxiated as a result of Millar uh, restraining him in this manner. Um, I, I should say Millar's attorney has said he denies the charges.
0: Now, Paul, can you back up a little bit and tell me more about the Secure Psychiatric Unit, why it's part of the state's prison system?
2: Yeah. So the the secure psychiatric unit is a psychiatric treatment facility on the grounds of the state prison in Concord. Um, As you said, it's it's run by the Department of Corrections. And and some of the people there are uh, serving a sentence in prison and transferred there uh, for treatment, psychiatric treatment during that. Uh, But this facility also houses people who have not been convicted of a crime and were initially uh, committed to the state mental health system under civil commitment procedures. Um, So someone may be involuntarily admitted to New Hampshire Hospital for mental health treatment, but then transferred to the secure psychiatric unit because the hospital determines they're too big of a safety risk to to treat there. Uh, And that's exactly what happened to Jason Roth. He was civilly committed to New Hampshire Hospital in 2019 for a serious mental illness. The hospital then transferred him to the secure psychiatric unit in 2022, and he was there up until his death the next year.
0: Now there have been concerns about this this setup this this procedure before, isn't that true, Paul?
2: Absolutely. Some advocates have been you know raising concerns about this for years, saying that you know people who are committed for mental health treatment should not be sent to an unaccredited facility run by the Department of Corrections. Um, the state is uh, trying to address this. They're building a new forensic uh, psychiatric hospital that will have a more uh, secure treatment environment and and be able to uh, treat those patients, um, that's not slated to be done. I, I believe that's slated to be done sometime uh, next year.
0: So how did the Department of Corrections handle this, this incident internally when
2: it happened? So uh, initially, the Department of Corrections put uh, all of the officers involved on leave, um, but eventually allowed them to return to full duty, uh, the department says that was based on the information it had at the time. It's not really clear what that was, how much they knew about the officer's conduct um, when they were allowed back to work. Uh, the DOC says now it's uh, it, it's put the officers back on administrative leave. Um, of course, Millar, the one who has been charged, no longer works for the department. Um, and, and the department is going forward with a, 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 an internal review of, of the appropriateness of, of the officer's actions.
0: I'm wondering what not only the department has to say, but lawmakers in general about the procedures um, for the, the secure psychiatric unit and what changes they are either proposing or not proposing.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, there have been um, attempts to address this uh, over the years. The uh, forensic hospital, of course, that is something that the legislature ultimately decided to do several years ago after um, years of, of putting that off. Um, you know, there was also a bill. Um, actually, it became law a couple years ago to require the secure psychiatric unit to uh, obtain a certain accreditation from a correctional health care organization. That was five years ago. That accreditation has not yet happened. Um, The the department says COVID sort of got in the way of that. Um, So there have been attempts at reform, but, um, you know, these things take time. And in the meantime, um, we still have the system where where people like Jason Roth are, you know, ending up at the the secure psychiatric unit.
0: Yeah. Now, what questions, Paul, do you still have about what happened and, and what authorities are doing in response to this particular case?
2: Well, one big question is is what I mentioned a moment ago, which is, you know, why were these officers, uh, including Millar is my understanding, why were these officers allowed, you know, back to work while the DOJ was was still investigating their use of force? Um, and, and how much, you know, did the Department of Corrections know about their actions um, at the time they were let, you know, back on duty? Uh, I, I filed a public records request with the Department of Corrections. Uh, seeking more information about how they handled this. They have refused to provide those records um, on the grounds of employee privacy. We're obviously going to challenge that. So so hopefully we do learn more about that at, at some point. Yeah,
0: but it, it's a, that's a good example of, of why dogged reporting takes time. But uh, we're glad, glad you're on the beat, Paul. Paul, what other stories are you following right now? Anything that you'd like to, to preview or highlight for listeners?
2: Yeah, well, I, I know I've talked about this before many times, but uh, we continue to see the impact of of workforce shortages on healthcare uh, in New Hampshire. Uh, just this week, the state, um, you know, health department asked for a major increase um, in the amount it can spend on temporary healthcare staff at New Hampshire Hospital, which is its main psychiatric facility and a, a long term care facility run by the state. Um, you know, vacancy rates for nurses and mental health workers at New Hampshire Hospital are around thirty percent, so so really forcing the state. To rely more on those temporary workers, and of course, this isn't unique to state facilities. Uh, private healthcare facilities as well have been feeling the effects. So certainly something we're going to be continuing to track and also looking into to possible solutions. Um, and, and you know, if you're a person out there who's been impacted by these healthcare worker shortages, maybe had to you know put off care or whatever it is, would would love to hear from you. So feel free to give me a call.
0: Absolutely, and you can always email us to voices at nhpr.org. Again, help inform. Our reporting. Paul Kuno Booth is a senior reporter for NHPR. Paul, thank you. Thank you. Paul, and I also want to mention, I don't know if you mind, I know you walked into the station today, in through the snow here in Concord, a, so I appreciate that.
2: The beautiful, snowy morning in New
0: Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, but that's dedication. That's the kind of dedication you get from from Paul and other reporters here at NHPR. You can find more of all the stories we talked about this morning, by the way, at nhpr.org and Anne-Marie's reporting at newhampshirebulletin.com. Now, while you're at nhpr.org, we also suggest you check out the New Hampshire News Quiz. It's a quick, fun, and informative way to test your knowledge of the week's news. You can sign up to get the quiz emailed to you, or you can check it out every Thursday evening. It's fresh at nhpr.org slash quiz. It's there right now. And we're here next Friday with more top headlines. I'm Rick Ganley and this is NHPR.